Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you so much for letting us be part of your day. Coming up on our program, we'll talk markets as China continues to buy corn. We'll talk with Steve Nicholson with Rombo AgriFinance. We're also going to take a look at the condition of the uh, wheat crop in the state of Kansas. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat, will be joining us. And a booming industry, a lot of farmland tiled and more being tiled we'll take a look at the drainage system industry today coming up on our program but right now we started off with a check on the news with jerry hagstrom with the hagstrom report jerry lots going on um, more confirmations and legislation being worked on in congress a lot to keep you busy these days well there certainly is uh as i understand it uh michael regan will be sworn in today as the epa administrator uh, and the Senate is going to vote on Catherine Tai as the, as the U.S. Trade Representative. Uh, and there are rumors that she is so popular the vote may be by voice vote. Uh, and at the same time, the House seems ready to be moving on the uh, work, uh, Workforce Modernization Act, uh, which would provide a path for, uh, for, Ill, for undocumented workers uh, to get legal status in the United States. Uh, so there, yes, there's a lot, lot going on uh, in Washington, yeah, well, and I'm back from my trip to California. Yeah, back to the East Coast, and uh, with all these developments to work to work on to keep track of. You know, I, I find it interesting. USDA is uh, asking agriculture for input on how to develop climate smart agriculture and forestry strategy. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a legitimate effort to get input, or is this kind of an exercise that uh, sometimes government agencies do? Well, it's hard to tell about how much uh, USDA will pay attention to this, uh, but I am intrigued by the fact that uh, everyone involved uh, says they do want the, the climate effort to be voluntary, um, and of course, based you know, based on on uh, sequestration of carbon, uh, the uh, uh, the Republicans keep saying this can't be mandatory. This has to be voluntary. Uh, but both Secretary Vilsack and Debbie Stabenow, the chair of the of the Senate Ag Committee, uh, also say they want it to be voluntary. Uh, so it is possible that there that that we could come to consensus on this issue in a time when it's almost impossible to come to consensus on anything in Washington. The big question remains, though, can they come up with something that really incentivizes these conservation efforts and climate efforts on farms across the country and recognize efforts that are already underway, or does it kind of go down a path, as we've seen in, uh, before, where uh, it seems more punitive than... than uh, than anything for agriculture, and remember how cap and trade kind of, kind of, uh, you know, got out of control and finally went down in flames. You think it's going to be different this time? Well, I do think there is going to be an attempt to to use the conservation programs or maybe a new conservation program to incentivize the farmers. The question is whether they could get Congress to pass more, uh, you know, the money to do this. 
Uh, and there is talk that the, that the next time that Congress uses the the excuse me the uh, reconciliation process, uh, that they would address the infrastructure program and possibly uh, the, the include climate uh, in in that process. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see that will t- that will take a, uh, a while. And of course, we're still stuck with the issue of whether these markets for carbon uh, sequestration will really work. Uh, we, don't have any, we don't have any clarity on that. Uh, Senator Stabenow wants her growing solutions bill to, to set up a process uh, so that we would know exactly what farmers are sequestering, so that they, I think so that it would have some legal standing. But we got a lot of questions to answer yet on this uh, idea of, of uh, climate smart agriculture. Yeah, you know, before it started off with, you know, well, if farmers are, are sequestering carbon, then some other company can buy those credits and use it for themselves. It just kind of got murky after that. So they'll, the, hopefully there'll be more clarity this time around. Well, yes, we do hope there'll be more, more clarity. And, of course, you have to have a reason for the companies to, buy, to want to buy these sequestration credits. Uh, and that seems to be based on consumer demand that the consumers uh, are are insisting that and following uh, what the uh, what the companies from whom they buy product from which they buy products uh, are uh, are doing in the in the sustainability era uh, but uh, area but we do also know that younger consumers are very focused on this. Uh, and the companies really want to prove to the consumers that they are doing something. Washington sending out a lot of money. What are you hearing on uh, ways to pay for that and uh, the possibility of tax hikes? Uh, there are a lot of rumors that there could, that there could be uh, tax hikes. That, of course, can also be done in a reconciliation bill, which only requires 50, uh, uh, 51 votes in the Senate. Uh, but I don't think they can do another reconciliation bill this year. I think it has to wait until after uh, the beginning of the next fiscal year. That, of course, isn't that far off since it would be, uh, you know, October. A lot of talk about infrastructure, and um, I've, I've heard some say, well, the, an infrastructure bill has to have money in it for broadband. I thought this stimulus bill that just passed had money in it for broadband. Well, it has some, but it seems that when it comes to, you know, the problem that I've got with broadband is we don't really still have a good idea of where there is broadband in rural America and where there isn't. We do know that the areas that are, that are in the worst shape are the ones that are, uh, uh, that are uh, under, in the hands of the, of the uh, for-profit telephone companies, uh, rather than the co-ops, um, uh, because the for-profit telephone companies can't make money on the internet because there are so few people who live per mile. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we know that areas that have hills and mountains are the are the worst served. But we still need better maps to know exactly how big the problem is. Well, good thing you got back to Washington. You have a lot to cover. I certainly, uh, I certainly do. Uh, and uh, uh, today, Secretary Vilsack is going to give a big speech on uh, nutrition programs, and so we'll see what he uh, what he has to say about that. 
Also, we, uh, there's a new general counsel or nominated at USDA, Janie Sims Hip, the first Native American to be nominated for, uh, for that position. Uh, and the White House has already sent her papers to the Senate, so maybe we'll have a quick confirmation on Janie Sims Hip. All right. Thanks, Jerry. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thank you, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Yeah, lots going on in the news. Well, a lot going on in the markets. China continues to buy a lot of corn. We'll talk about that and more with the, about the markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. That's coming up next. His thoughts on the markets and where we go as we get ever closer to spring planting time in the Midwest. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Farmers and operators don't always have to get a new piece of machinery to get state-of-the-art performance. At Intelligent Ag, our company was founded by farmers and innovators to build smart farming technology to help you get the most out of your ag equipment, meaning improved performance and high return on investment. The next time you think you need an upgrade on your equipment, consider Intelligent Ag upgrades. We offer flow monitoring and section control solutions on air seeders and fertilizer floaters. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Let's Talk isn't just an invitation, it's how we do business. Our experts at FS AgriFinance believe that a meaningful conversation is the best way to help our customers reach their financial goals. We'll show you how to use financing as a risk management tool to help spread your costs and manage your cash flow. We know agriculture and are focused on what's ahead to make sure you're ready for it. Talk with your FS AgriFinance specialist at your local FS member company today. FS, bringing you what's next. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. 
Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, good to talk with you again. China has uh, become quite a corn buyer lately. Yes, good morning, Mike. Uh, glad to hear you and talk to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the last two days have created the largest purchase by China of U.S. corn in history. So it just is remarkable. They The appetite, I mean, even... You know, I think over the last couple of weeks, the market kind of like, well, maybe China's done. And if you look at bean sales or bean exports over the last couple, three weeks, they've, they've dipped down into the seasonal where you'd expect them to be seasonally, maybe a little bit below. And so you kind of had a little worry that China was maybe finished. And then, you know, there is some concern that ASF is, is ruining its ugly head in China. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you worry about, well, maybe they're done or they don't need any more because they don't, they don't need it. And because you never know for sure, but then they come through with this, and you're like, well, maybe they're not done yet. And so I think it, it, it again highlights the whole situation with China is that, you know, we, we do know a lot about China, but we don't. Uh, but the fact is if they keep buying, that's an indication that there is certainly a need for them to keep buying commodities, whether it's from us or any place else in the world, that is going to keep you know global supplies of corn and soybeans uh, moving toward moving their direction and, and keep stocks fairly snug uh, for the you know at, le- at least as far as you can see beyond your nose uh, and probably even farther and that's good for markets and supporting the markets. But even with all that, markets have been kind of choppy. Yeah, they have, and I I think it's I think part of that comes from a couple different places. You know, the funds have been a little bit you know, and they'll say they're not. You know, they follow the market, and I think that's likely true. But, you know, they have an impact because the market watches them. You know, they haven't relinquished much of their long net long position, but they're also not adding to it. And so that, that's part of it. Part of it, too, is I think you have to recognize that markets at these levels, I mean, these are nosebleed levels. And so markets at this, at this level get a lot more choppy, a lot more volatile, um, whatever term you adjective you want to use, uh, so you're, it's not surprising to see this sort of choppiness. I think thirdly, you know, we're in this this no person zone between the March supply and demand projections and that ever ominous prospective plan report at the end of the month. I mean, that's the number everyone's waiting for. Um, once we get by that, then I think we'll start to see a little more action. Um, I think, and I probably should say one other thing. You know, the weather certainly looks i think people are concerned and challenged by the weather particularly the western corn belt obviously weather's been an issue in south america and they've in the weather mother nature's kind of teases with a little rain and you know maybe a little less less rain in brazil a little more rain in argentina and so the market's just choppy it's it's, and i think that's a good way to put it it's just a choppy market and you have to just kind of be prepared for that as we go at these levels yeah on the one hand we look at the moisture in the last few days across much of the country and still still more looks like coming up and it 
the good news, it kind of alleviates some of the drought concerns. But on the other hand, then you start thinking, well, maybe it's going to be wet for a while. Might not be able to get into the fields as soon as uh, many had hoped. So it's kind of adds to that choppiness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. I think you're exactly right. The last week, you know, we've seen moisture come across that western corn belt. will come right through the middle of the Great Plains, you know, whether it's rain or snow. Uh, we're getting some more of that today, particularly across the southeast. Uh, some of it's severe, so we hope everyone's safe or stays safe. Um, but that, as I say, again, Mother Nature tangled, you know, dangles that out there and hopefully it's better. But, yeah, you're right. You're now, you know, we're at the end of March. Last half of March, you're getting planted started in that southern part of the United States. Um, this is not a time we need the moisture. We need, to, we need the moisture after we get done planting. But it's just a market that's always on edge and anything anything that could go wrong. And I think you have to remember the market now is looking to weather because it's the only thing that's new it can digest to keep whether it's up or down in the marketplace. Talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. Steve, we're in that unusual position this year of not only wanting a, a big crop, uh, but needing a big crop, right? Well, that's right. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the danger here is that, you know, these prices certainly incentivize farmers to plant and to find acres wherever they can. Um, and we've certainly seen that in cash rent values. Um, and we've seen that in, in, in any of the models that you've seen early on projecting this year's acres are going to have a big production. You know, in corn, it's, it's not uh, crucial that we have a huge crop, but it's important that we have a good crop, I think, is important there. Wheat, similar sort of situation, although wheat's starting to get tighter, and I think we have to be concerned about the wheat crop, particularly in, in, the, in the southern plains, as dry as it's been and, you know, cold and windy down through there, which is not unusual for them to be windy. But the fact is that, you know, you add that to the coldness, that's a concern. So you, you want to see a decent corn or a wheat crop, but you come back to beans. And that's where we have to have a good crop. We have to have almost a great crop there, because if we don't, we're going to be in a situation like we are this year. We don't have any beans you know, once we get, you know, six months into the crop here, for all practical purposes, we're almost out of beans. And in the talking to people in the country, there's no beans in the country. And so they're held in commercial, likely held in commercial hands at this point, um, you know, waiting for likely basis to, to pop even more than already has. But we have to have a bean crop this year uh, because we just don't, we're not, we're in the position that Brazil has been in all year of almost, you know, out of beans, and that's that's a concern. So we do need to have a great bean crop going forward. Well, when we look to South America, it looks like it's going to wind up a good crop. It's just taking them a while to get it out. Yeah, it, there's a lot of issues in South America, and I think that's the thing that is a little bit surprising and I think a little concerning, and, and at the same time it's hard to gauge, is that they are going to have a record crop. It, let's, let's acknowledge that up front. But one of the things we've seen, and I, I remind, you know, U.S. producers, particularly, I guess this had been two years ago after, you know, the 2019, just seemed like we could never turn the faucets off. But a lot of, there are places in Brazil that are seeing the type of beans we saw at harvest, gray beans, black beans, poor quality beans. And so there's going to be some issues there uh, that, you know, create beans that just aren't marketable, like we saw here in the States you know, I guess I've been two years ago now. Um, so I think that's something that the market's going to have to deal with and have to find a home for. Uh, the other issue is there's logistics issues in, in Brazil that could come back to bite them and also us at the same time. And I, 
and I mean that in the truest sense, you know, they have, you know, it continues to rain. And for those of you who've been to Brazil know that those country roads are impassable when it rains. It's just, it's just like, you know, driving on ice. Um, so that's one logistics. The COVID is making a, a resurgence there. And we know that the COVID last time around did slow uh, loading of ports. Um, that's a challenge because they, you know, those beans need to go out now. I mean, they are the, the bean supplier of the world. And if they're not supplying, then China is going to come someplace, go someplace else for beans. And their only options are, are going to be us. And we don't have them. So, you know, there are a number of issues in Brazil that are going to help keep this market supported, uh, just not only because they have the big crop, but the fact is, can they get it out? And what is that quality and making sure that they get the right quality of beans loaded out. So I, there are a number of issues there we can't just um, ignore. And delaying the planting of that safrina corn crop, we know yeah. what it's like when you have late planting that pushes the window and cuts your margin of error. You you need good weather on the other end to uh, uh, give it time, and yep. so they're going to be cutting that close, aren't they? They are, and I think you're starting to see those bean or corn you know, overall corn production in Brazil starting to come down from that 109, you know, closer to the lower 100s, you know, 102, 103, 104 type metric ton crops. And and that, I think that may be part of the China's buying this week is they start looking at that and thinking, oh, well, we're not going to get Brazilian corn come last half June, first half July. We need to, we need to, we need to kind of belly up to the bar if you have it and get our, get some supply laid in to make sure we're not in a situation where we're in that window and the crop there isn't harvested and the u.s crop is you know running lower um and you know we can't we have to we have to plan for that now because it takes you know 30 45 days to get there so i think that's part of what's happening with china they're they're concerned about supply i i think that again as we've talked about before that's one of the driving factors with china is to make sure they have supply in-house ready to go so they don't have to wait for a crop to come out or logistical problems because of covid uh, you know, they've certainly seen that on their own shores. So I, this whole the Safrina crop really is going to be supportive of the U.S. US crop, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's all connected, that's for sure. Steve, good to talk with you. It Thanks is. a lot. You're welcome, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Rambo AgriFinance. All right, stay with us. Coming up, a look at a booming industry um, drainage systems. A lot of tiling going on. Has been this has been going for some time and continues strong. We'll take a look at that industry. Some of the technology being used in that industry as well. That's next here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Let's Talk isn't just an invitation. It's how we do business. Our experts at FS AgriFinance believe that a meaningful conversation is the best way to help our customers reach their financial goals. We'll show you how to use financing as a risk management tool to help spread your costs and manage your cash flow. We know agriculture and are focused on what's ahead to make sure you're ready for it. Talk with your FS AgriFinance specialist at your local FS member company today. FS, bringing you what's next.
DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day, our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Yesterday, the USDA confirmed a sale of 1.1 million metric tons, or 45.5 million bushels, of U.S. corn to China. This was over and above Monday's Big Corn Export Inspections Report and was the first daily notice of corn sales to China since January 29th. Accumulative U.S. corn sales to China for the current marketing season are just under 20 million metric tons, which dwarfs the negotiable corn sales to China book at this point last year, and the 7 to 10 million ton bears argued last year that China would take. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading a fraction lower at 554 and a quarter, the July contract down a penny and a half cent at 540 and a quarter. For soybeans, the May contract trading 8 cents lower at 1415 and a fraction, the July contract down 8 and a half cent at 1405 and a half cent. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract down 2 and a half cent at 644 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat made down four and three quarters at 603 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat made down four and a half cent at 633 and a quarter. The July contract down four cents at 641 and a fraction. Cattle futures were able to hold on to gains Tuesday while hog futures blew through the previous day highs with ease. The livestock complex is the beneficiary of increasing restaurant demand and continued strong international demand. Live cattle futures on the Board of Trade trading lower. The April contract down five cents at 118.15. The June contract down 65 at 120.80. For feeders, the April contract down 95 at 142.37. May down 97 at 148.75. For lean hog futures, the April contract trading 32 cents lower at 92.57. The May contract down 12 at 95.02. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, even though a lot of farmland has already been tiled, the boom in that industry continues. We're going to talk about it today with 
Ryan Carter and Darla Huff with Advanced Drainage Systems, and we thank you both for being with us. Welcome to AOA. Ryan, we've talked before about this. Uh, the demand continues to grow, doesn't it? More and more farmers looking to put uh, a drainage system in their land. Absolutely. So last time we talked, there was a very robust and growing market, and that, uh, that trend has continued on. So we, we can see that trajectory continuing through the fall and even into next year. So, Darla, how does your company, ADS, Advanced Drainage Systems, how are you responding to this kind of increase in demand? So, um, no other company in the country is producing more pipes than ADS. Um, so, we're proud to be leading this, this response from utilizing our scale and buying power um, in order to provide unmatched leverage to respond to the tight market conditions. Um, we're maximizing our production and supporting our customers as best we can with um, a ton of capital expenditures that we've been able to implement in the past couple of years. Did the pandemic slow things down at all as far as what you were able to do, getting materials and, and having people to work? Was that a problem? So we were actually projecting it to be a, a problem. Uh, we were able to... Um, you know, we, we have a very highly um, qualified staff. We took the pandemic extremely serious. We put safety measures in place, invested in our um, our facilities and our people. Um, so from a, from an overall safety and labor perspective, we, we came through it as, as well as uh, could be expected. From a supply chain for raw material, it uh, we, we really didn't see that bubble or that setback or those pinch points. Uh, it, it was trying as we got through the summer months and the peak of the pandemic, and as we marched into the fall, uh, this robust market continued to go on. Uh, our contractors and customers kept installing. Uh, our resin suppliers kept uh, kept producing, and there was a building, um, you know, building demand in the resin market. So we're actually now starting to see more of the effects, um, just with the overall resin supply and labor challenges. So it's a little bit delayed. Our bubble was uh, through the peak of it. We were able to come through fairly, um, fairly unscathed. Right now, we're uh, with the resin supply, and then with uh, some of the labor challenges that have kind of pent up because everybody's been going uh, so hard for so long and kind of working through that pandemic. Uh, that's where we're kind of starting to feel the pinch points right now. And the so how does that went across that? Quickly. Yeah, yeah. So you had weather problems too. So with all those factors and and the great demand that's out there to put in the systems what's the impact on farmers what do they need to think of and know as they as they plan for a future tiling project on their land so the best thing farmers can do is plan 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 um whether you are buying direct from ads or a pipe supplier or you're buying um through your contractor Business planning and getting the timing and the types of materials based on the fields you're going to want to tile um, laid out as quickly as possible is the best thing. The, the transparency that that gives us from a production perspective and having orders in the system does nothing but keep them ahead of the game because um, we don't see this demand lessening. Farmers are seeing the advantage of water management uh, more and more each year. You know, still having to do more with less um, from a yield perspective um, in order to keep feeding, you know, feeding the world, as we all like to say. Um, so planning is absolutely the best thing that they can do. Yeah, and I'll add a little right. to that. As, yeah, Ryan. So as, 
so it, it's no different than what uh, what growers are used to in the marketplace right now. If you go through and you plant one of your best performing hybrids and you go through and start to harvest, you know you, you're going to put that hybrid on your farm next year, so you immediately call months in advance and you book that seed. You take a position mm-hmm. with your supplier, uh, and that's where you know the the drainage industry has been more you know sudden service and and really 24 48 hour demand in this current environment with this robust uh, market that's continuing to grow and putting stressors on supply. Uh, planning is key, so we you need to take a position, get your books. Get your project on the books and get product ordered, and allow that uh, that to flow through. That's the best advice I could give a producer right now. That if you're if you're making that decision to invest in water management and uh, invest in in your land, take a position and 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 put your orders in the system and, and get it get it booked. And you hit on something I was going to ask you about uh, with this market rally, the strength in these prices. And as we look at uh, probably more acres being planted this year, uh, farmers don't want to risk having you know some some of their land too wet that they can't get to. They want that uh, drainage system that allows them to get out there and get that crop planted. Yeah, absolutely. And so the the commodity market and the rally that we've seen, uh, majority of the producers that we work with and have, have worked with throughout the years, they understand and, and value, um, they see the value in, in subsurface drainage and water management. And with the robust uh, commodity markets, we're going to see a you know continued influx. So it's just going to add fuel to this market. Uh, growers know and they want to invest in, in water management. Now they've got the uh, basically the market in their favor, so there should be an influx of cash flow, more uh, more dollars to invest in these land land improvement projects. And watching, you know, watching seeing the flooding that has happened in so many areas across the United States, and I know that that's still got to be top of mind on a lot of farmers um, and a lot of farmers' heads, knowing how long that's going to keep them from getting in the field. Um, and one of the biggest advantages we've seen is how much quicker they're able to plant whenever they have a a, a really well managed water system um, underneath their field. And of course, there's a push on sustainability efforts, uh, conservation practices. So all this really kind of ties together, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, this past year, ADS became the second largest recycler of plastic in North America. Something we're pretty proud of from a sustainability perspective. And you know, the fact that we are able to, um, we have our own recycling facilities, we're vertically integrated. Um, when you're in this, this situation we're in right now where you have a resin shortage, it's an advantage for us because we're able to capitalize on that with our recycled resin and recycled products in order to make the agriculture pipe that, that is needed in the market today. Um, you know, recycled pipe uses 59% less water to be produced than virgin. We still produce virgin products. Um, but we also have that, that added value of being able to continue that sustainability message through that and other projects that we're doing um, across the country. Specifically, we're, we're participating with ACE Ohio um, with the things that are going on with Lake Erie, working with those farmers in that watershed. So just really trying to do our part from that perspective, not only to keep farmers from getting regulated, but to do the right thing with the water. So you're using new technology all the time in your business too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And each year, the investments that we make, um, this past year, we we invested about $80 million in capital expenditure um, to continue ramping up production, safety, 
sustainability, and um, we will be investing another $100 million this year at ADS from that perspective to maintain um, everything that we're trying to do across the market as well as for our customers. What are you doing at your company to make things on a day-to-day operations basis easier for those contractors? So we went down a path um, several years ago to get Voice of Customer to really truly understand our, our customers, the, the needs of the end user, uh, and we are continuing to invest in R&D. Uh, we're looking at, at new delivery um, trailers that are, are specialized for, for infield um, delivery. We also are our delivery, um, also on the logistics side of the table, we're doing um, using pin drops, using um, the uh, different service platforms to provide a just really a, a much more well-rounded customer service platform that, that really drives that customer experience. So when, when we go through these land investments um, or when you're investing in your land and when you're investing in, in construction, uh, improving your, your land and water table, uh, that ease of doing business is really our focus as we move forward and making it really a seamless process because we want to partner with our, our end users uh, to help them grow their productivity on their field. Are you seeing farmers of all sizes interested in, in tiling, or is it more large or small farms? What are you seeing? I would say, and Brian may or may not, Brian will probably agree with me here, um, I would absolutely say it's across the board. Um you, you know, depending on the type of farmer it is will depend on wh- whether or not they're using a contractor for their installation or if they have their own plow. Um, and then that, and sometimes there's a mix. But um, the, based on our, you know, our sales over the past couple of years, our sales data has shown that the, the industry for this has grown about 57% since Ryan and I took over this business. And it's just, it, we don't see that slowing down. Um, so, again, across the board is what I would say from an interest perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, large or small if there's a need for water management, it, it doesn't. Uh, it, it's not only focused on those larger uh, integrated growers. It's uh, we we have customers as small as as 30 acres going out and tiling that field, and we have some as large as 650 or a couple thousand acres that are, um, you know, putting those projects in. So, it, uh, it it all all land can benefit from from water management because as we look at the crop insurance payouts over the last several years, the number one cause for crop loss, whether that's an excess or not enough, is water. And as we manage our water, we'll continue to manage our, our fields and, and our, our crop for maximum yield. Yep, it's, uh, it's a, become a big part of uh, farming today for sure for many. And that's Ryan Carter and Darla Huff with Advanced Drainage Systems. Thank you both for being with us. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stay with us. Up next, an update on the wheat crop in Kansas. We'll talk with Justin Gilpin, Kansas Wheat CEO on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. recently on Adams on Agriculture. And we're joined now by Chuck Connor, President, National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. What are your thoughts on the $1.9 trillion stimulus package as far as what's in there for agriculture? Early on in this process, Mike, I had, had come out and NCFC had come out in support of the provisions relating to uh, help for minority farmers. And, you know, from my years at USDA and just managing a lot of these programs, I think, you know, they have experienced many legitimate problems and I think some help for them was good. 
I think what really disappointed me in the end, though, Mike, was just the fact that it was such a partisan operation. So many of us had hoped that perhaps with uh, a divided Congress where really both bodies are almost split right down the middle between Republicans and Democrats, and with the president saying that he wanted to sort of change the ways of Washington and start working together again, you know, we had hoped maybe things would be different. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, yesterday we talked about crop and weather conditions in Texas and in Colorado. Let's go now to the state of Kansas. Joining us is Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat. Justin, you've been keeping us up to date on the crop conditions. Obviously, we talked about it being too dry, and then we were concerned about it being way too cold, and now you've got some moisture. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of covered the, the spectrum, haven't we, Mike? But first of all, you know, happy happy St. Patrick's Day. That we We'd always like to, mm-hmm. a good drink up to celebrate for St. Patrick's Day. And right on cue, we're, we're getting it here in Kansas, and things are starting to green up. So how much moisture did you get across the state, and how helpful has it been? Well, it, it's turned out to be kind of just what the doctor ordered for this winter wheat crop uh, here in the here in the Southern Plains, Mike. It, we have, we've had a widespread moisture event here the last last seven days and getting some more uh, moisture today and some more in the forecast. Uh, it, when you just try to look at it just across the state, it's pretty much about an inch of rain over the last seven days has, has found its way just about everywhere across, across wheat fields in Kansas. And there's some spots that are, you know, even, even better than that with three to four inches in a lot of areas, you know, even, uh, even in some of the areas in South Central Kansas, it, uh, I'm kind of happy to report we're blessed with soggy conditions right now for the wheat crop. And so, just, you know, when you think about the winter wheat crop just coming out of dormancy, the challenges that we've had with the drought conditions uh, that we had in the fall, and then the, the, the extreme cold event that we had uh, with the wheat trying to recover from some potential winter kill, what we needed was uh, a, a good soaking rain, and and that's that's what that's what we're dealing with right now. So it's things are things are starting to to look up for this wheat crop here. The last time we talked, it was right after the the real bad winter storm, the very cold, severe temperatures, and we talked about trying to assess the damage. Uh, what can you tell us now from looking back at that at that cold snap? Well, there were certainly some areas that did get hurt and burnt back, and, and you, you were hearing hearing a lot of reports of, of some a lot of cosmetic damage and some uncertainty about how those cold temperatures, not just in the ambient air, but the, the soil temperatures dropped so low and what that might have meant to the growth point of that, to, to that growing wheat plant. Uh, but, boy, you know, 
if there was damage, if there was injury, what it needed was uh, some some moisture to try to recover. And from what we're hearing uh, early on, anyway, uh, this this moisture event's going to go a long ways in, in, in helping uh, uh, recover from some some of that damage. And and uh, things things are going to start to as we hear these crop condition reports start to come out uh, here here in the in the coming weeks. I think think we're going to start hearing some improvement with this crop. You know, April 5th will be the first time we see the national uh, crop progress report for the whole uh, the U.S. hardwood winter wheat. And I think with what we know now, uh, I think the expectation is we're going to start to see some some improved conditions, Mike. And and that's that's a that's a good thing for this for this wheat crop because it certainly, as we've talked about, and you've done a great job covering it. It's had its challenges up to this point. And probably this moisture also lends hope optimism for those looking to plant corn and soybeans uh this year well but it, you know we were we were needing you know it, we did have that open window because it had been kind of dry right after that cold spell where we did get a lot of uh, field work getting started uh and so i think as far as getting some wheat top dressed i think there was a there was a there was a, an open window there where we got several days in of getting field prep uh done and so i think I think most people are, are pretty happy with the rain that we've got right now. Uh, as I mentioned, that soggy conditions uh, in that south central Kansas, north central Oklahoma, uh, that's probably going to keep people out of the field for a while now, though. So we'll probably kind of keep an eye keep an eye on that and how the how if uh, if we have had a weather weather pattern change, what that what that might mean to farmers being able to get in the field, get things planted. But but uh, nobody's going to be complaining about about this moisture we've got because it was. It's certainly a good thing. You know, when we start to look at uh, wheat prices and, and what the markets are doing, uh, you know, people are trying to look at uh, how, how they can handle the risk management and take advantage of some of these prices that we haven't seen in, in six or seven years. And, and uh, it makes them feel a little bit better about making those marketing decisions when, when you've got moisture and a little bit more optimism that you are going to have a crop to harvest. We've also talked about some... Uh interesting decisions they'll have on on acres what are you hearing on which way they may go uh, as you talk to farmers in kansas well that was the big thing when we were talking about uh, wh- whether or not there were going to be some wheat fields that were uh, had enough serious injury that they may go in and and uh, maybe abandon some of those wheat fields and, and look at an option like sorghum because right now sorghum is is at a pretty uh, pretty big uh, milo is pretty big premium to corn uh, and would that be an option to go ahead and, and uh, maybe abandon some of those wheat fields and, and go to a spring-planted crop like, like sorghum to take advantage of those prices? Uh, I, I, I do think that this moisture is probably going to uh, give enough optimism that those uh, that wheat fields uh, are probably, probably aren't going to see that higher abandonment that like maybe we're talking about. And actually, we're hearing a lot of reports in, in south-central Kansas and in Oklahoma where you know, a lot of that wheat is used for grazing, that there's a lot of cattle coming off of that wheat. Uh, because the wheat's starting to look better, and and maybe some wheat fields that typically wouldn't go to harvest now are gonna are gonna go for grain, and uh, that, that's that's a good thing to for for bushels that uh, for that optimism to, to come to marketplace, and you know I still think that uh, you know the that corn soybean decision for that south central Kansas farmer, uh, yeah, it's it'll be really interesting to see that planning report that's going to come out at the end of March. I know everybody's keeping an eye on that. I just think because we had winter wheat acres up, where soybean prices are up right now, in Kansas anyway, I think nationwide we'll probably see a, a bump in corn acres. But in Kansas anyway, uh, we uh, I don't I think we'll probably see a slight decline in corn acres if I had to guess right now, Mike, because of uh, the up, uptick in winter wheat acres, soybean prices where they're at, and of course that option to go ahead and plant 
sorghum on some of those uh, potential corn acres. Uh, we, we may not have, we, we probably won't increase corn acres in Kansas. Yep, some interesting twists and turns, that's for sure. Justin, thanks for keeping us up to date. Appreciate it. Yep, always good to talk to you, Mike. Thank you, sir. Take care. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat. Well, that wraps it up for today. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we'll take a look at some dairy disputes with both Canada and Mexico. Even though we have USMCA, we still have some trade disputes. And take a look at uh, more on the biofuels front and uh, as far as carbon in our transportation fuels. We'll talk about that, too. Hope you'll join us here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.